Welcome back to 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast. My name is Pat Sharp, here as always with my wonderful co-host, Carson. Carson, how are you today? Greetings, Patrick. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm, you have a Bengals hat on, though. And I, I do, don't. I don't. Because like, I'm a Bengals fan. I don't like them. Uh, but no, we are doing here. I'm excited for today. We have uh, a guest that we will be introducing shortly. Uh, but we've been trying to get this together for a little while now. Not too long, though. Um, uh, Tucker's looking great. Uh, Tucker is he, on the floor chewing on a bone, as he always does when we record. He's chewing on a bone. Beautiful day. Always got to bring up the weather. Gorgeous outside. Uh, I got my Celsius, and you brought me a water because you're a good man. That I am. I was parched, but my thirst has been quenched. So, do you have some news for I, us? I do. Here is an... Actually, this one's interesting, I guess. I find it funny, and I think you will too. And it is from Yahoo News or Yahoo.com. Yahoo. It's wrote by Melissa Pori, LPC, comma, NCC. Don't know what those letters mean. Licensed something, something. I don't know. Anywho, the... Title of the article is Signs of Alcoholism in Other People or Yourself. Uh oh. And so I was like, oh, that's an interesting one because, you know, you read them and it says signs of alcohol addiction. Alcohol addiction is a chronic, a chronic illness characterized by periods of sobriety and relapse people often experience. Except I didn't have periods of sobriety. I just drank. Uh, True. Here are a few things it says withdrawals, difficulty regulating alcohol consumption. Tolerance development. It takes more alcohol to feel the effects. Difficult making sound judgments or controlling behaviors. Nice. Like all of those other signs of alcohol use disorder are related to drinking frequency habits and its impact on relationships, which we'll explore below. And then it just kind of gets into all those things. But the reason I found it kind of funny because I was like, oh, withdrawals. Yeah, I had those. Difficulties regulating alcohol consumption. I had no off switch. I think I made pretty good decisions. I mean, I'm, I'm dating back to college when I thought it might be a good idea to create a Molotov cocktail from an empty liquor bottle. Didn't do it. Tolerance development, which I could drink a, a lot, a lot. And difficulty making sound judgments or controlling behaviors. I didn't really, my behaviors, like I... Again, I'd never been arrested or anything. I, I didn't get out of control. But I wasn't violent. Um, right. I'm sure I sent questionable text messages and stuff. But the, oh, talk about a terrible feeling when you read back what you had said the night before. Yeah. And you just like you're cringing from within your core. And you're like, what went through me to think that that was a good idea? Yeah. It's it's awful. Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, it's pretty short and sweet. And it, it it's just very true. And it is very funny. Yes, it, I mean, I, everything I read on there is just like alcoholism 101. If you, you know you're an alcoholic and it just says you're an idiot. I'm like, yeah, yeah. okay, that's fair. Well, yeah, I read through it and it, it checked all the boxes. Yeah, 100%. And, and, and like all the, the thing is I read it and I know not every, the education is lacking on addiction and alcoholism and things like that. However, it was very basic stuff. Like, yeah, all this is very surface level. So- all right, so uh, I wanted to share one thing before we kick off our interview. So I was I was talking to a good friend of mine. Uh, we worked worked together back in the day, um, and she we kept we don't we don't talk a ton, uh, but we were catching up, and she let me know that 
she cut out drinking and it was awesome to hear, but I also was shocked, not because I didn't think she could do it, but because she did it. She, she didn't have a problem like, like we do. And we used to drink together at, you know, work happy hours or we go out to concerts, blah, blah, blah. And so she's, she said it so casually too. And she's like, yeah, so I, you know, I also cut out drinking. I don't think I told you that. And I'm like, what? Rachel. And, uh, so he goes, yeah, no, I just, I didn't see a need for it anymore. I wasn't getting anything out of it. And I just kind of took a look, you know, I looked back and I was like, you know what? I, I really don't need this. And it was quite honestly the best decision that I've ever made. And so I was really happy to, to hear that. She just made those necessary steps to take that without even having a problem. I thought it, it takes a lot of guts. And she just recognized that even just from someone who didn't necessarily have a problem, but saw the, the other side of things. And, uh, and so I, I was like, wow, you know, that's great to hear. She goes, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just raw dog in life. You know what I mean? And I was like, yes, absolutely love that. And I'm going to take that. So that's what we're doing here on this podcast. We are raw dogging life. Absolutely. And as Carson had also mentioned, we do have an interview today, back-to-back interviews. Before we get to that, take a moment, give us five stars and give us rate review on your, whatever platform you're listening to. And you can follow us on Instagram or Twitter at 12 Ounces Sobriety Podcast. You can email us at 12 Ounces Sobriety Pod at gmail.com, though I have not been very good at checking those and I need to. So, Twitter. Beautiful. Twitter's probably the best way. 12 Ounces Sobriety Podcast. I don't know what Twitter is. X. Sorry. Good job. And with that, let's get to our interview. <laughs> All right. So, very special guest here today in the studio. Um, her, she's a dear friend. Her name is Kendra. And uh, just a little, quick little background. Kendra and I met on my second stint at the treatment program. Um, I feel like I've said that a lot recently. Um, as you guys know, Pat and I met the first time. And when I went back for a victory lap for round two, I met Kendra, and so uh, she is a a fellow friend of the program and a fellow friend of ours, so we are very happy to have her and hear a little bit about her journey. So, Kendra, pass it to you. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. I just got back from the beach, so feeling a little relaxed. As you should. Oop. Um. Yeah, you didn't want to leave either. So no, I was telling not. her that's always a good thing, though. You know, um, you definitely don't want to have you want to come from a vacation feeling real revitalized mm-hmm. and not wanting to go back. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we're very happy to to have you today. Um, well, they, it's an honor. Like I listen to you guys, so I'm like fangirling a little. <laughs> you guys hear that? That's that's. Well, that's let's the, start out. She's the one right there. That's a good person. Let's start out real quick. How long have you been sober for? I have been Great sober question. for uh, a little over a year. Congrats. Um, I just got a year on September 16th. Oh, so. Yeah, so recent. Wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Is this your first time getting sober? It was my first try. Um, I'm hoping my last try. Yes. But we we'll Relapse see. is not a requirement for sobriety. Yes, yes I have heard. Um, but <laughs> You wouldn't know it, but. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to me. I never thought that I would actually be here. You know, it's it took a lot for me to get sober and stay sober. I have to do something every day for my sobriety. If I don't, then I I don't know where I would be. I do a daily meeting. Uh, I do sometimes twice 
Um, just depending on, you know, what day it is, I do a gratitude meeting on Sundays. Um, so I have to work constantly at my recovery. If I don't, then I know that relapse is coming. Um, so I, I constantly have that in the back of my head, like that reminder, like for me, my DOC was not strictly alcohol. So a lot of my cravings come from pills or, you know, whatever I used to do. And so for a long time, I, I think probably I started when I was like 15. And I mean, it was constant use. Um, and so up through college, that's probably when I started picking up drinking hardcore. And then I probably stopped drinking at least. Um, probably a couple of years ago. And that was just, I didn't like the way it made me feel. Mm -hmm. I felt like shit the next day. I hated that hangover and I didn't want it. So I just went back to other substances. But for me, it was, it took a lot for me to get into treatment. I didn't know that I needed treatment. I was, I was living my life in a whole different world. Um, so it's, it's crazy to say that I'm sober, um, but it's it's pretty nice to say that I am sober for over a year. Um, I never thought I'd get here. I was very impatient about it. Now, did you hit like a did you have a bottom that you hit that got you started on going to treatment or what led you? I know you said it wasn't something you were, you know, it took a lot to get you there. Yeah. What were the parameters around you going to get treatment and find and seek help? Um. It took my family. My family intervened. Um, it was pretty much uh, an ultimatum. Um, my daughter was a big reason for that. Um, she's my world. So that was a big reason why I, I wanted to get sober. Um, she deserved a sober mom and somebody who was going to be present for her. Um, so that, that family aspect, I don't think I would be here if it wouldn't have had like if they wouldn't have stepped in and um kind of been like, you know, it's it's this or you're you're out. Right. You, you gotta figure something else out. I wasn't working, I wasn't able to drive because, you know, they didn't trust me at the time. So they took my keys away, which is understandable now about why. Yeah. At the time you're like, you're out of your mind. Oh, I was pissed. I'm a grown ass woman. Yeah. I'm gonna drive. And they're like, No. Exactly. That we see things that you don't see because you are in addiction. Exactly. And it, and it goes to show you when we are in that active addiction, we think your mind is so fucked that you don't see where that's an issue. Mm -hmm. You know, with my behavior, like I said, the main place I drink, I love drinking in the car and just driving around listening to a podcast and drink a twelve pack and you know it it's like you're so blinded to realize or the fact that I'm drinking a case of beer a day. Yeah. Like, oh, who cares? That's not that big of a deal. And then once you get sober for a while and you're able to heal yourself some and you can look back and you're like, that was horrible what I was doing. Yeah. And once you can finally get some clarity, it's very interesting when we look back and, and see where we were in life. Yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, it's not a direct analogy, but, you know, the whole. Uh, frog is in the boiling pot of water, but it's slowly kind of coming up. Have y'all heard that? Yeah. So you you put I don't a, know that if I you have. drop so a frog <laughs> in boiling warm, water, warm no, you put him in warm water, mm -hmm. right? So the frog's fine. Okay. But then you 
slowly crank up the heat, it's boiling and it doesn't even rise because it's used to it and then used to it as it rises. You, f- you forgot the... F- so if you drop a frog in boiling water, it will immediately hop out. Yeah. If you place it in warm water and then bring it to a boil, it'll just stay there and die. You missed the part about dropping well, it in there fault. first I, and it will yeah. jump out. Right. Oh, I told, I, yeah, I told you I was going to butcher it. But my point <laughs> here is it's a slow burn and we are slowly changing as people and we don't even know it. It's a very good analogy, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so my all my point is, is like the first time that you used, you mm-hmm. said 14 or 15. Right? I was I was probably like 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you when you whatever it was, I'm not it, it doesn't matter what it was. It, oh, I'm you, sure it you was didn't alcohol. change. You didn't just change like that. Yeah. Right. Neither did I when I went to my first party right after high school and neither did Pat. However, over the years, Mm -hmm. we are slowly changing as people and our brain is just in this shit storm. Yeah. And then next thing you know, you you're being told you can't drive. Well, for you, it's like seeing yourself every single day when you're like working out or something. Right. You don't Mm -hmm. see the body changes, but other people do. Yeah. It's you are looking at this and and you're saying, I'm fine. I'm the same as always was. And it's like, no, no, you weren't. And then on the reverse, that's why it takes a little time for us to. Um, really come back to ourselves. Yeah, it um, definitely takes a little bit of time to kind of see it in yourself and realize that you are making changes. Yes. It's it's a bizarre thing to like kind of see the progress when you are in the program and you are trying to recover from this horrible disease. It's hard to accept it. And so it took me a while to accept it too. And, you know, even for me, like I have a sponsor now, but it took me a good almost year to get a good sponsor. Well, I've always said, you know, this is my third time getting sober, that I was always very easy to admit that I had a problem, <clears throat> but I couldn't accept it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this third time I got sober is when I finally accepted it. And yeah. that's, I think, a big reason why I've made it now 18 and a half months mm-hmm. is because I finally accepted it. And sometimes I don't, I think people will admit it, but not accept it. And yes. I think until you truly accept it, you can't really begin your journey of sobriety. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I remember sitting uh, wherever I was sitting, very drunk, very intoxicated, so many times repeatedly thinking to myself, oh my God, I have a problem, but I yeah. just never accepted it. And I even feel like the first time that I got sober, I didn't fully accept it. I was maybe 85, 90%. Yeah. And for those listening for the first time, I ended up relapsing because I was not at that point yet. Um, and and you just mentioned the sponsor thing. So I officially, as of yesterday, have a sponsor yeah. for the second time. I'm so proud of Thank you. Thank you. I, so, it, and it's because it, for me, I got a sponsor about six months ago. And, and I will be the first to say the person that was sponsoring me was awesome. But I was, in my opinion, was not ready. I now I've stayed sober for almost 10 months now. I have had one of the best years in production, you know, productivity and, and, and growth and blah, blah, blah of my life. However, I just wasn't at that point. And so I basically relating to you saying you're, you're taking things in stride and, and as, as they come, you've been intentional. You made it a freaking year. Yeah. And now it's time for the sponsor. So I, yeah. I, I, I think it's awesome that you, I don't even know if I, no, I didn't know that because your sponsor showed up to get your one year chip. She did. That was a great site. She you, did. She surprised me. It was the most yes. amazing thing. 
I bawled my eyes Kendra out. Kendra was so emotional in, in a great way. It like it made you everybody were, emotional yeah, too. I was I, so emotional. Yeah. It was bad. You were and gr- Johnny wasn't even there. Yeah. You, <laughs> gr- you were grinning from ear to ear. And, and I think a part of that also, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, realizing, holy shit, I haven't touched anything in a year. Yeah. I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. And then, and also look at my life and how much progress I've made and this slow burn of getting back to it mm-hmm. day in and day out. It feels like sometimes like you're stuck and like you're, you're never going to get better. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's a year. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. I mean, it took, oh my gosh, for me to accept that I actually had this disease. I, for a while, I said it was my choice. This was my choice. I did this to myself. Right. I chose to put those substances down my throat. I chose to swallow them. That was my choice. So I had to work for a long time to get over that and kind of redirect my sobriety to where I was doing it for myself. Um, I was doing it for everybody in the beginning. Um, I never had like technically a rock bottom. I mean, I did have overdoses. I've had two overdoses, which is nightmare, nightmare. Um, but that to me was never that rock bottom because mm-hmm. I kept going. Yep. That's, yeah. That's a great point you bring up too about, you know, at first it was you're doing it for your family, mm-hmm. but for longevity and sobriety, you have to be doing it for yourself. You know, I, I tell people that in meetings sometimes it's like when, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I got my kid and I'm doing it for my kid. And I always like speak up and be like, listen, you can do it for your kid that can get you in the door, but mm-hmm. to stay sober, you got to do it for yourself. And I always say, you know, I'm not, I'm divorced. I don't have kids, you know, like I truly have to be doing it for myself. I don't have anybody counting on me or anything like that. Really? I'm counting on you. Well, Aww. thank you. I, I mean, I have people in the program now and, and stuff like that, but you know what I, I mean? I, like, yeah. I know what you mean. I'm, I'm not going to ruin some kid's life if I slip up sure. or anything. Sure. I am truly have to do it for myself. And, which, you know, is, is great for me that yeah, and it's I, commendable too. I mean, because I, no, I wouldn't I'm, say that, but I'm well, just saying you didn't, I just did. Well, and all I'm saying is, so Kendra, for you, your family is what helped you that kind of got you in the door. Oh yeah. Same, same with me. Right. My wife got me in the door um, because I felt that. So, cause at the beginning for me, it was, it was more for her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as much for me. It was, Hey, I want to save my marriage. Yeah. And I guess I'll maybe save myself in the process. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. You know? Um, but as time has progressed and exactly what you're saying is you, you start to get that feeling of, okay, yes, I'm still doing it for my daughter Mm -hmm. and my mother who I met twice now. (laughs) She's a wonderful lady. She's she's (laughs) super great. Um, but also I have to be doing this for me. And so, but Pat, all I was really saying for you is yes. I mean, I understand that it's a, a matter of a choice and you're saying, Hey, this is my life circumstance, but at the same time, it takes some cojones. You got it. You got to step up and and you knew what was right and that you have to stick to it for yourself. And that's where everyone has to get despite your situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it is when you talk to people in sobriety, especially early in sobriety, you can tell where their head's at when they, you know, hundred percent like, hey, I'm doing it for myself. hundred percent. You know, and then you're like, okay, to where if they're just saying, well, you know, if it wasn't for my family, I would probably still be out there. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well. Or the law, hey, if I didn't have to do this in order to like see my kids or to stay out of jail. I'm not saying that 
early on, that's that's fine. Sometimes it's necessary yeah, because it if you hit a rock yeah. bottom, as Kendra, you just mentioned, an overdose yeah. wasn't enough for you. No, I never had like that consequence, right. like legal issues yeah. or anything and like that. I never hit that. Right. There are people, you know, I used to think that the only way you can get help and become sober is if you, you know, want it in the beginning. And I remember where we went to treatment center, the person that is the head of it. I had asked him that and he's like, no, he's like, you know, how many times I've seen people dragged in to rehab and it's worked for them. Yeah. And I, I know somebody that we went to, to treatment with, they basically were dragged in there and they were, I mean, hated it early on, were rude, were mean. And, you know, you get 30 days in and things start to click a little bit. And so don't take that as if you're looking at, you know, sober for somebody else and you don't want to still take that step because you will get there eventually. Well, yeah. and, I, and I think that this is a testament. What we're what we're discussing right now is why Pat and I do this podcast is because not everyone is going to be a Pat or like I mentioned earlier, my friend Rachel, who makes a decision without someone pushing them or hitting a rock bottom. So my point here is we are trying to communicate these this message so that people can understand we don't want you to have to hit a rock bottom mm -hmm. um, because number one, that could have repercussions that you'll could, you know, might never get out of. But number two, sometimes rock bottom isn't enough to get you where you need to be. Yeah. Well, Hopefully all that made sense, <laughs> but we're just, we, we need to belabor on this message to understand that you've got to make, you have, sometimes you have to make this happen and no one else is going to do it for you, such as in my situation. Well, and two things are true about bottoms. One, Everybody's bottom's different. Mm -hmm. Two, you can always go lower. Yeah, that's very true. There are many, many trapdoors. Yeah, uh, that's 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 well said. Yeah, you think you hit a rock bottom, and then oh shit, yep, there was a trapdoor. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Plunge a little bit deeper. Yep, absolutely it happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, Fast. as long as until we're, you know, unless we're dead or in prison for the rest of our lives, you can go lower, and yeah. so. You know, like, again, everybody's different. Everybody's circumstances of why they need to get help is different. Mm -hmm. But then you quickly realize that, oh, we all have the same common problem and, and you can start working on it together. And so what have you found challenging in the year that you have been sober? Um, Bring it on. In the beginning, it was definitely meetings. I don't know why I was so resistant to going to meetings, but the treatment center we were in, you know, we had to go to three meetings a week at least. Like they forced us. So on top of what you were already doing. Yes. So, you know, I never did like the 90 and 90 or anything like that. It took me a while to find meetings that I enjoyed going to. I think that's a lot of the problem is people, they don't find that right fit. Um, and and for me, it took my counselor pushing me hard to just be like, just jump into it. Just go, go and share. You don't even have to share. Just go and listen. Like even the Zoom calls are kind of nice to, you don't have to turn your camera Get your on feet or anything. Yeah, you don't really have to say anything if you no. don't want to. So for me, like it took a while for me to want to share about my story. Um, just because it is very hard. Um, I've had a lot of trauma. And I think that's probably 
a lot of women's story too. Um, we'll just say that. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of the reason why I used, I wanted to numb. I didn't want to feel anything. And so I guess that's why I never hit a rock bottom was because I had already seen hell. What was this going to do to me? Nothing. So. And Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it is interesting you bring that up. You know, a lot of women's yeah. stories. And that's why we love getting a woman's perspective. Because, Absolutely. Well, Carson and myself are, are men yeah. and um, not yeah, women. So, so. <laughs> here in that perspective and in you talk about meetings and stuff like that. You know, I always mentioned the big book was wrote by somebody in the 30s when I think about the only people that were allowed to be alcoholics were, you know, upper uh, upper class middle-aged white men yeah and if you read that book it, it's very uh very geared towards that demographic yes and yes. even in going to meetings and in recovery there there are a lot of women but i still for me you see more men than women yeah. and so it, it's great that's why i like having uh, doing interviews with women because it provides us a different perspective that carson and i don't you know have yeah. any knowledge of yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and and that's what so a couple quick things and then i want to pass it back to you um i'm glad that you mentioned hey this was my apprehension because a lot of people are fearful of going to meetings for any variety of reasons mm -hmm. some people it's as simple as I, I i am not a social person i am an introvert and i do not feel comfortable being around people i don't know or it's hey i don't want to share or hey i don't really think i have a problem whatever the yeah. whatever the reason behind it is um, getting that exposure and forcing yourself to seek discomfort is phenomenal because you started opening up. I can think of a couple people in, in my mind right now, actually numerous people that have come through either the treatment program or I've seen them in a meeting or wherever it was and didn't say a word. Yeah. And now they are opening up. They see the value in it. They feel more comfortable with the people around them and they're truly getting something from it. And it's always really fun to see that yeah. you see someone kind of blossoming in front of you. You just don't say anything about it, but you like notice, you know, one of those yeah. things. Um, and so for you, I'm not saying it's ex it was exactly like that, but <laughs> here you are. I'm and, a nice little flower blossom. You, you are a blossomed flower. <laughs> yeah. And um, and yeah, I mean, you 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 take the room over when you share, <clears throat> and one of the meetings that we go to, um, it's awesome. Yeah. And you well, you know what I mean? Like, and it's and it's you know. Does it hurt to hear some of the things you shared? Of course it does. But yeah. it also is wonderful because number one, uh, hearing about you so that we can, you know, grow in our friendship and help each other. Right. But also, yeah. you know, it helps you get it out. Yeah. I mean, get it out. Right. Yeah. So that's what it they're sucks. there for. That's it what they're sucks there to for. to get it out and, yeah. you know, sit in that discomfort and just be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody likes to be uncomfortable. But you get better at it. Especially with your feelings. Oh. Oh gross. gross. Pat doesn't know what feelings are. He does not have feelings. I have I'm feelings. Sure he does. Well, let me ask you this. Now you said, you know, at first it was it was a little bit of a struggle. Mm -hmm. And then you kept trying different meetings and stuff. I always tell people like if you yeah. don't like the meeting you go to, find another one. Yeah. I was lucky. The first meeting I ever went to, it is my home group. Oh, cool. I just love it there. And uh I even I should explore more meetings than I do. But I just go there. The time slot works perfect, you know, and I go three to five times a week. 
to uh, meetings with my home group. And, yeah. and I know the people really well. And it's like you were saying, you get people opening up, you know, I'll, ch- I usually chair a meeting, uh, one meeting a week and you get somebody new in there and I'll be handing out the readings and they are oh no, no. And then yeah, they won't say anything. And then, you know, I'll keep trying to give it to them and then eventually they grab it and, and, yeah. and they, they open up. So, but when you were struggling to find the right meeting for you, what were some of the key traits that you found where you finally said, oh, this is great and, and started really benefiting from the meetings? Yeah. So I went to a bunch of different kinds of meetings. I went to AA. I went to NA. I went to Dharma, uh, Recovery Dharma or whatever. Um, I also do a 3A recovery. Um, so in some 12-step programs, you know, they will be a little more on the religious side. Um, I was more open-minded about the meetings um, because I did go to different types. Um, I think when I first started going to 12-step programs, it to me, it was kind of more strictly towards alcohol, I felt. So I didn't feel necessarily that I could relate. So that's when I would go to other 12-step meetings or, you know, other um, recovery meetings. And um, for the most part, I just had to be open and honest. And I had to be that way with myself first and then telling somebody else my problems and things like that is not fun, but it's, I think it's necessary for recovery. And I think it's important for you to, or for me to go to different meetings and, and try different things because I don't like feeling confined. I don't like to be told what to do. I think, Amen. <laughs> I think I've always had that authority issue. So Going into the more structured meetings, it just felt like school to me, and I hated school. Um, so I never, I never wanted to be in those meetings. Um, so I think that's what took so long, too, is, you know, the fact that I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to hear everybody's story. It was hard to hear everybody's story. But then somewhere along that line, it turned into that hope and that inspiration. And I needed to hear those stories. I needed to be able to relate to those. So that I think that's what took so long. Damn, that was good. That was really good. I hope. Um, so I wanted to say a couple of quick things. Number one, the control issue. Yeah. Listen, I think we all can agree. There's some commonalities between us folk. We do not like, we, we have control issues. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. is, that is a, it is a, is a very common thing that you find within people who do struggle with addiction because that's one thing that we can't control is our consumption in fill in the blank. Exactly. You know, but I think also it's uh it's good. So we have three kind of experiences sitting in this room right now of our path through finding the right group. Pat was right off the bat. Kendra, you went through a lot to find what you were looking for. For me, it was right in the middle. I remember going to my first one. And here's the thing is the socializing is not and, and being with people I don't know is not a, really a problem for me. It used to be. I learned, I, I kind of learned through my job and, and kind of became immune to that, most of that sort of uncomfortability. Yeah. 
Um, and I could be a social butterfly if if required. I you both know this. But surprise. I went to my first one. I really didn't like it. It's not like I walked out hating it, but but I didn't go back for probably two or three months. Yeah. Um, it kind of scared me away. And yeah. then I went to probably two or three more and then I found I found my 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 vibes. Yeah. Right. So it was kind of the middle. But the reason I just kind of reiterated that was, you know, it, it's gonna look like different from every mm-hmm. you know, between everybody and really number one what you need uh and number two it's just kind of happenstance a little bit but just to not be discouraged that if you're not finding the right spots like you think about kendra and it's like hey it took me a while but me as a person but also finding the right group or it can happen like pat and he just showed up and said hey guys that's how you talk well so you got to think this way though is my first time i got sober you know i i had to detox and i just went through my primary care physician to detox and started going to meetings. I didn't know what else to do. And then I thought, ah, I should be okay after two months and try drinking again. And of course you guys have heard me say that 8 million times and, you know, drank for a few weeks and went back and did the same thing and, you know, tried again, um, didn't work. And so, but I knew going to meetings and seeing those people and if I worked their the program correctly in the steps, I could be successful. But then I, you know, I went to uh, treatment as well the third time and it, it combined treatment with meetings. And I remember when I was in treatment and they wanted us, you know, to go to two, three meetings a week. I always did. And I would always tell people because I was a huge proponent of meetings because I, I saw how they were beneficial. And so. I've always been a big, you know, and I did 90 and 90. Um, I think I've done 90 and 90 a couple of times now. And I said this last week when I challenged our interview, Nicole, last week to do 90 and 90, because even I know people that have been sober for a while, you know, we're talking five, 10 years that have gotten stale in their recovery and said, you know, I'm going to do 90 and 90, switch it up a little bit. Now, one thing that I want to jump back to something uh, that Kendra said regarding the needing to work on you and your sobriety every day, because that's something I a hundred percent agree with. Mm -hmm. This is something we'll never, there's no cure for addiction Mm -hmm. and wanting sobriety for yourself is something that, you know, we talked about the importance of, but the other important thing is, is working on your sobriety daily. It's something that we have to do. And it's awesome that you recognize that. Yeah. It's, is, I think it's important for everybody in addiction, like whether it's your morning readings that you do or your morning prayers or whatever it may be that you do, you have to have like your your routine. For me, it's very important to have that routine. So like I do my morning readings, I go to work, I sometimes do my meetings um, at work, which I know that's probably horrible, but I, if only I can listen to it, that's enough for me. Um, I do work by myself in my office, so it's it's nothing to be able to just listen to it. But I'm sure my boss would not like Here's that. Here's the thing. Is you the, can listen it, to our podcast. The, you know, while I you just won't show her the podcast. Here's the thing is <laughs> it, it, I guarantee you other people are just on YouTube or something. So at least you're oh, doing can, something for you. And it's going to if you were yeah. to get caught, say, hey, this is making me a better worker. So. Yeah. Suck it. Yeah. And you would, you probably have no idea, but I guarantee, I don't know how many people you work with, but I bet there's somebody else 
in the company you work for that deals with addiction as well. Oh, I'm I can, sure. I guarantee the odds, it. The odds are and very, it's very good. Yes. yes. I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, and, and part of your daily routine, one thing you said earlier that I absolutely loved, and I think it is absolutely essential, is gratuity. You have to have gratuity. If you're not living in that and dealing with it just daily, you're going to get caught up in your bad ideas, which is for me, at least, I have horrible ideas. I go to worst case scenario. I constantly think of, you know, substances. So it's like I have to counteract all of these things at once and then, you know, just do life. And I think having that disease and having no cure for it, you have to work daily for it. Um, and that's that's why I do my women's meeting. I think that's important for every woman yeah. to have a group of women that they can go to, too. 100%. Um, I love doing co-ed meetings and stuff. And I love, you know, our group that we do um, Monday nights. And it's it's nice to have that different perspective. Yeah. It, having I mean, having both is is very necessary. And great thing is, is you can do it. So yeah. it's it's awesome. Uh, and yeah, it, being grateful is something that I know that I have to work on every single day. And I've gotten only better and better at it throughout, uh, especially this year. But it, it just helps your overall mindset. Well, number one, it puts you at peace when you learn to appreciate things, mm-hmm. but, but everything. Not, oh, I got a new car, I'm grateful. No, we're talking about finding the goodness and being grateful even through the pain. Doesn't yeah. mean you have to love it, but but look at the looking at the bright side, right? Yeah. And and again, it, you know, it's easier said than done, but that's why we work on it. We yeah. work on it every single day, and we get better at it, and we become better people and more peaceful people yeah. as a product of that. Yes. I have one last question. I have one last question. For now, I, I another <laughs> one may pop in my head. You know how I am for sure. Uh, based on something you just said, you said you know doing life. How much easier? is doing life being sober. Oh my gosh. That was kind of my question too. I think about that all the time. Um, It's crazy the difference. Like I even see it when I'm with my daughter, you know, like how much more present I am like mentally that I'm actually focusing. I'm actually doing stuff with her. Um, I'm you know, able to take her to school and do all of those fun mom things with her. And it's not that I didn't do them before. I just don't necessarily remember. You were just a body there, but now her mother's actually there. I was just a shell. I was just a shell. And um, that was hard to admit that, you know, there wasn't much there beforehand. Now, oh my gosh, so much to live for. Whereas before you not don't necessarily have that will to want to even be here anymore. Um, I know that's a lot of people's mindset sometimes is, you know, why, why does it even matter? And like, I think I have a shirt on that says you matter. You matter. Yeah. And so, if you are listening to this, you matter. Yes, it's very true. Yeah. No, it, it, that just goes to show you how I'm the same way. It's like being present in life and experiences. And, you know, I go to bed a lot of times and it's just like I'm in awe still that I am sober or, Mm -hmm. you know, can 
you just don't feel bound like you're handcuffed all the time yeah. on what you can do and what you can experience. Or, you know, I say this all the time. I would watch the same show, the same episode, the same show, you know, 10 times before moving on to the next one. So I'd never remember because I was always drunk. Yeah. And simple things or reading a book and being able to remember that. And like you were saying, you know, being able to be present with your daughter. And, you know, those are the experiences that sobriety brings. And, you know, it. That's why I think a lot of us, and I'm sure you agree, you wouldn't change the past because I think it brings so much more importance to how life is now. Yeah. And so with that, though, we're going to wrap up the show, Kendra. We really, truly appreciate it. Yes. No, thank you. Thank you so much. Love to have you back on sometime. Absolutely. Yes. And with that, everybody matters. Yes. You matter. If you want to ask us any questions or comments and let us know, you know, how awesome we are, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast. You can email us or uh, X and Instagram and Treads, and you can email us at 12 Ounces Sobriety Pod at gmail.com, and maybe I'll answer you. I need to start checking that more. Um, But as always, thank you very much.